Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Rosmine, and I'm here with a very special episode with a topic that is front and center globally. For the past year, our entire planet has been dealing with COVID-19 virus. According to the World Health Organization, this virus has caused a global pandemic, resulting in 100 million positive cases, over 2 million deaths worldwide, with almost half a million deaths just in the United States. And these numbers are changing on a daily basis. There are other collateral damages such as financial losses and deteriorating mental health among adults and children alike. Nevertheless, we see light at the end of the tunnel in the form of the vaccine rollout. In the US, healthcare workers, people over 65 and people dealing with chronic conditions are receiving vaccines with the rest of the population in line to receive the vaccines in the coming months. Since this is a global issue, there are hundreds, if not thousands of new media reports being churned out every day, causing confusion, frustration, and uncertainty in the general public. People like you and me searching for answers that apply to us and to help our family. Citing this need, we decided to bring back a very special guest, Samara Makani, who is an accomplished emergency department physician assistant who has been fighting tirelessly on the front lines for over a year. Sumera obtained bachelor's of science from Baylor University, master's in physician assistant studies from University of Texas at Southwestern, and then has earned certificate of added qualification in emergency medicine, which is awarded to PAs who demonstrate advanced expertise in their specialty. She has been working as emergency medicine physician assistant for 11 years now. She's an author for her company's newsletter and enjoys teaching and mentoring new PAs and potential PA students. She's here today to answer all your burning questions about the virus, the vaccines, and much more. Welcome, Samara, to It's Too Much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Rosemary. How are you doing? You're I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm doing good. Surviving all this, uh, still standing and fighting. So I think that's a big accomplishment. Go ahead. You're, you're absolutely right about um, how it has affected us. There's not a single person in this entire world who hasn't been affected by this virus in some way or the other, whether it's physical health, mental health, emotional stress, family situation, the list goes on and on. And and there seems to be so much confusion out there about all this. You know, one news outlet says one thing, the other says one thing. And we're like, who do you believe? What do you believe? Doctors are saying one thing. So it, it gets very confusing and creates a lot of misconceptions out there, which creates a lot of fear um, in a lot of ways. So I'm here with my goal to answer some of the basic questions that have come up, share some information um, that community needs to know and clear up some misconceptions. I may just want to give a quick disclosure. I have no financial interests. I'm not paid by anyone or any company. I don't own any shares in the vaccine makers. Um, the information I share is for education purpose only, not a medical advice. For any medical concerns, listeners should contact their own medical providers. What we discussed today is what we know about this topic as of this recording on February 8th, but please keep in mind that the knowledge on this topic is evolving daily. All right. So as you know, uh, we did put out a message uh, um, to the general public to ask questions. And you have also received a lot of questions as well. So uh, without further delay, let's dive into it because we have so many questions to get to. Uh, a lot of our questions are vaccine related. So let's talk about that first. Sure. Um, what different types of vaccines are available in the U.S. right now? 
So there are two different types of vaccines and they, they're both mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, and then coming down the pipelines are Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca. So Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are both mRNA vaccines. Like I said, there's both two dose vaccines, both are approximately 95% effective in preventing symptomatic COVID seven days after the second dose. So two doses, seven days after the second dose is when you develop that claimed 95% effectivity. So if you, um, it, it, you're not going to be immune the day after the vaccine. So you can't do a family gathering the day you get your first shot, right? So that's important to understand that I think a lot of people are not understanding. So it's still a 5% risk that you can get COVID. But if you do get COVID after a full series, the risk of severe illness is significantly low. And no COVID-related deaths have been reported in the vaccinated people. So I think that's huge. Um, important to remember that it has not been tested in children or pregnant women. Um, then coming down the pipelines or Johnson & Johnson, it's not um, available or approved for use yet in the USA. The company has applied for emergency use authorization on February 4th, and the FDA meeting is scheduled um, for February 26th. Um, the official data is still pending, but from press releases, it seems that it is 66% effective um, in preventing severe disease globally and 72% um, if you look at USA only. Again, no COVID-related deaths in people vaccinated with Johnson & Johnson vaccine either. Um, people get disappointed by hearing 72% when Pfizer and Moderna have done so well and have claimed 95% effectivity, but hey, 72% is much better than zero um, or no vaccine at all. So Johnson & Johnson has its own advantage. It is a single dose vaccine where the other two are two dose vaccine. It doesn't have to be stored in extremely cold um, temperatures like mRNA, the Pfizer and Moderna does, which makes it easier to deliver to the less developed part of the countries and less developed part of the world. Um, I do hear um, a lot of concerns about that 72%, but they are doing a research on a second dose as well to see if it increases the effectiveness. Um, still being researched and will not be submitted with this FDA um, meeting that's coming up. So we shall see. Um, AstraZeneca is the other one that is still in phase three trial. It is, um, the, the trials have been completed in some of the other countries, but US, in the USA, it's still in the phase three trial. So more to come on that later. So since we already have the Pfizer and Moderna, um, is there a difference between who can take which one or does the public have a choice to which one to take? So I would recommend you take the one that is available to you at its earliest. Um, I, I think if the, it, the Pfizer and Moderna both work very similarly. There's not many, many changes or many differences. Um, I believe that there are a few differences. Pfizer is, so Pfizer is two doses, 21 days apart. Moderna is two doses, 28 days apart. So one week more, but really not that much. Pfizer is for age 16 and up. Moderna is for age 18 and up. So if you happen to be 16 or 17, um, Pfizer is the only option for you. Um, Pfizer does have to be stored at a much colder temperature. Um, Moderna is normal freezer temperature. So that affects the delivery into certain areas. Um, and one important point of that is the, even though they work very similarly, the dose concentration of the components that make up the vaccine are just a little bit different. So if you get Pfizer in dose one, you should get Pfizer dose two too. As of right now, the interchangeability of both of those vaccines is 
recommended. It has been studied, but as of right now, FDA is very clear on um, staying with the same brand and not changing it. Yeah, that's no, that's very helpful to know. So um, is this then going to be a requirement going forward? Like, you know, when kids have to be immunized or as a healthcare worker, you know, you have to get certain vaccines and a flu shot every year, let's say, yeah. is this, is this something that's going to be required to, you know, you know, have a job or to go to school or something like that? So very good question. Um, it is hard to predict anything about this virus or anything about, and again, I don't want to predict anything about the vaccine either. Um, way down the road, once we have more people immunized and more studies, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes um, just like the flu vaccine and it may become on the shot record that you need a COVID vaccine as well. But as of right now, there's no requirements, no laws. Um, I get asked this question a lot, you know, you're a healthcare provider, you work in the ED, are you required to take this COVID vaccine? So no, nobody, there's no mandatory, nobody's forcing us um, and jabbing us um, without our consents. So um, I do believe though, that given the high risk environment that we work in, it is a great protective tool. Um, in the hospital, to me, the hospitals are war zones right now. There's COVID bullets like flying everywhere, especially in the ED and especially in the ICU. Um, and the vaccines like my bulletproof jacket. So if someone is pro providing a bulletproof jacket to me, why would I refuse it? Like, I don't see a reason why I wouldn't use this protective tool. For the people in the community, um, not required right now, but I feel like it's a moral value, moral duty um, to yourself and to the community that you should seriously consider taking the vaccine and educating yourself on it to see if it's the right thing for you. Um, there was an interesting point I heard once in an interview that um, it was about the measles vaccine, I believe, and people who were vaccinated against measles. So if you're vaccinated, but you're living in a community of people who are unvaccinated, you're at much higher risk of getting measles compared to someone who is unvaccinated, but living in a community full of vaccinated people. So the power of herd immunity, right? So... I think um, at, to, to build that, to take our life back towards normalcy, this is the path and this is, this is going to help us get rid of those masks and head back to normalcy. No, that's very helpful, Yam, you explaining it that way. Um, so can somebody test positive even after getting their vaccine? Because you're already, you're, it's going to make you immune, right? So can you still get COVID? So two different questions. Can you test positive after the vaccine? The answer to that is no. Um, you, and again, the information that I'm sharing today are about Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, because that's what we have now in USA. Johnson, Johnson, AstraZeneca are not here yet. So you cannot test positive after taking the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, the mRNA vaccine. It's, it's just the way they work. Um, you cannot. The tests test for pieces of viruses, multiple pieces of viruses. And the way the vaccine works, it's against the spike protein, which we can talk about later. Um, even if the, the test somehow detects that spike protein in you, which it shouldn't, but if it does, um, just the spike protein by itself is not enough to make that test positive. So you, if you tested positive after taking the vaccine, it's because you had the rule virus. It's not the vaccine that did it. So um, let's talk about the actual virus, so COVID-19, which wreaked havoc on the world, okay? It's been around for <laughs> over a year. That's probably an understatement, but um, right. 
it's 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 been around but now we also hear stuff like okay there's a new variant you know a new strain coming out of uk or or maybe there was something else you know discovered in china is this vaccine going to be effective on those variants as well or it's it's just not going to work on that it's not going to make me immune like let's say if if, if that new virus comes in or mutates, let's say, and this vaccine is not been tested for that mutated virus component? So it should, depending on um, the mutation. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll talk um, in a minute about how the vaccines work, which I think will help people understand the mutations. Let's talk about how... that. Let, let's, let's see. Why don't you talk about how the vaccines actually sure, sure, we can talk about that. And we'll come back to this question because I sure. think that's a very important question that you asked, Rosemary. Um, so I guess let's talk about how the vaccines work. So um, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine or mRNA vaccine that work a little bit differently than the Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca. So let's talk about how normal vaccines work. Like usually historically, um, you take a virus that you're trying to develop immunity against um, in, in the lab, they kill the virus and then they suck it up in a little syringe and um, they create vaccines out of it, either a dead virus or a weakened live virus or just pieces and particles of that virus. So three major ways of creating a vaccine. Now, whichever technology they go with based on whatever virus they're trying to immune you against, um, they will pull it out of a syringe that will give it to you. Um, your body will recognize that virus as a real thing, right? So your body doesn't know that it's dead um, or it's weakened or it's just a piece of the virus. It sees it as a real threat and then gets your body ready to fight against it. So it calls your army um, of fighter cells to fight it off, okay? Your body kills it, gets rid of it. The next time the real virus attacks you, it your immune system, your army's already there, it recognizes it immediately and then kills it. So there's no time preparing your army. Your army's already there and kills it. That's how usually the vaccines work, right? So the weakened virus, just to be clear, the weakened live virus is not able to replicate. It's paralyzed to the point where it's not able to harm you. Now, the mRNA technology is different. It's, it's a new technology. Um, the way it works, so mRNA is messenger RNA. So all it is, is a message in a lipid particle, a fat particle. So think of it as a message in a bottle that somebody's put and it's drifting away until it reaches where it needs to. In this case, the little mRNA needs to reach to your cells. So once it reaches where it needs to go, um, your cells recognize it, open it and see the message. And the message is the blueprint to create spike protein. So what is a spike protein? So spike protein are those little horns or little spiky things that you see on the virus. You've seen photos of the virus, mm -hmm. right? So those are little spike things that stick out. Those are spike protein. And it uses that spike protein as a key to unlock the cell receptors to get into the cell and, and infect it. So those, that's the spike protein, right? So this message is a blueprint on how to create a lookalike of that spike protein. Okay, so now your body sees the message and like, okay, well, we'll create this blueprint, this, this spike protein. So your body creates a spike protein. Here it comes strolling around your immune system, right? Your, the police is strolling around, sees the spike protein, says, hey, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? It 
calls into the station and here comes a whole police force and kills it, right? Gets rid of it. And it remembers it for future, okay? So next time you get, so next time it sees it, it's ready to fight it. Now you get a second dose of this mRNA vaccine. Now your police is strolling around and sees it and it's like, oh, well, I thought we took care of this. What are you still doing here? So now it calls the army to help fight it off. A bigger, stronger immune response to fight it off, okay? So now, I mean, you're like completely very much secured. So the next time the virus comes, it has very little chance of survival because now you've got an army to try to fight it off, okay? Um, so that's kind of just of how your body prepares you to fight against it. So if the real virus were to attack you, your body's already prepared to fight it off. Let's go back to what you had originally asked me. The variants, the different variants that are coming out of this virus is, this, is the vaccine that we have currently potent enough to deal with the mutations? So um, the vaccines, the variants that we have now are the vaccine should be good for. So the, the three big variants that, so the viruses mutate, right? That's what viruses do. The viruses have been around forever, infecting humans forever. And they mutate, That that is what they do. But um, the mutations that we care about are the mutations on the spike protein, because that is what your body is trained to fight off, right? So in the the UK variant, um, the Brazil variant, and the South African variant. Those are three big uh, the variants that are making the news right now. And is the vaccine going to protect against this new new variants? Those are the big questions that are in everybody's mind right now. And in its study, it's being studied pretty rapidly. So far, the data looks pretty promising. Um, it seems to be just as effective against the UK variant as the usual variants. It is about percent less effective against the South African and the Brazil variant, but still quite protective. Um, so we're definitely hopeful. So let's try to understand um, how the mutations work. So let me explain to you why I am hopeful that this will work. So building on to our analogy earlier, right? Think of it, think of the spike protein um, as the face and your immune your body's immune system that the vaccine has induced in you as a facial recognition software, right? So here comes this face and you have, you already have a facial, facial recognition software in you. This facial recognition software is about 95% successful in recognizing the virus using multiple features on your face. For example, your eyes, your nose, your hair, about 20 different features. Okay, so if this face were to get a little plastic surgery done, have a little nose lift or have a little eyebrow lift, or one or two of those features become unrecognizable, aka mutations, the software is still able to recognize you, recognize the face. Now, if you were to get a little bit more work done, the software, the facial recognition software may not be able to recognize it as well, but most of the time it will work. Now, if you were to kind of get a full blown plastic surgery and drastically change the way you look, then the software will fail. Okay, so in terms of the antibodies in scientific terms, the antibodies are created at 20 different locations of that spike protein. Those locations are called the epitopes on that spike protein. Okay, so the mutations, mutations can occur anywhere in the virus, but like I said, the only virus, the mutations we care about are the ones on the spike protein. So, um, so if 
the UK variant ha doesn't have many mutations on those epitopes that we care about. The um, South African and the Brazil variants have a few mutations um, that we care about, but the vaccine still seems, there still seems to be enough recognizable features on that spike protein to, to kill it. All right, gotcha. I really love the way you explain that. You know, the facial, you know, plastic that surgery, the police force, the army, all of that. <laughs> it, it's, I, I think, I think it's, it's good um, for any layman to uh, understand that. Right. So that's, that's right. very, very I, helpful. I strongly believe that I think if you understand what it is and why you're getting this vaccine, you're more likely to, to do it and remember it too. Um, just as a backup, though, the scientists are creating a software update, a version two of it. Um, <laughs> AKA they are working on a booster. Moderna is at least that I know. I'm sure Pfizer is going to get it soon if um, they haven't. They're working on a booster two on any predictable mutations that they can do. Okay. So hopefully we won't need it. But in case we go there, then they're already on top. So when people are getting the, the second dose, in particular, mm -hmm. um, getting sick, you know, getting um, high fever, fatigue, body aches, is that what it is? Is that the analogy that you use? The army is there fighting yeah. it off? Yes. Um, the body's exactly. immune system that's responding? Yes, exactly. See, see, now that you know how it works, you're able to come up with the answers because you understand it. That's exactly what's happening. They, this, the symptoms that are getting is their immune system ramping up. Um, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So I got my vaccine and I woke up with severe body aches. I mean, I, I was expecting it, but I felt like my legs were going to fall off of my body. Yeah. Um, but I was positive about it. I took it as a good sign that I am creating immunity and hope and protecting myself against and my risk of getting sick are that much lower now. So um, side effects are just your immune system ramping up. So my, my advice to you and to everybody listening here would be expect side effects um, and see it as a positive thing. I, I wouldn't even call it side effects. I call it your immune system ramping up. Whenever you have the opportunity to take the vaccine, take it when you have a day off or schedule a day off after it, especially after the second dose, because when you call that army, you're going to feel that army coming. So most likely you're going to feel it. Now, if you don't feel it, that's great. I mean, that's not a bad thing. That's great if you don't feel it. But if you're ready for it, um, I think you'll you'll get through it a little bit better. You can get fever. You can get headache. You can get chills. You can feel like you have the flu. You can have, you feel nausea. You can feel dizziness. Body aches are most, a lot of people would describe body aches and headaches. I think those are the most common. But fever up to one or two. I mean, it's not not surprising. So February, February 26th is my day off because I'm taking my second dose on the 26th. All right. So you, <laughs> the next day, following day off too? Well, I'll take two days off. I mean, who's there you go. Me? Yes. Take, take two, they take, take two days two. off and hopefully you won't need it. And you can sit there and watch Netflix and eat some ice cream. Right. So um, let's talk about, I know that there's a lot of um, uh, pregnant women who are scared, you know, whenever, you know, you've had kids, I've, I've had a, yeah. Um, I've had a daughter. So, you know, anything, we, we're always so scared. We want to protect our baby and all of that. So what do you advise uh, for pregnant women? Should they take the vaccine? What, what, what would be your advice? So if you are pregnant or if you're breastfeeding, you need to sit down with your OBGYN or your pediatrician and have a risk benefit discussion. I cannot give you or a yes or a no answer for this, 
but I can give you some tools to help you decide whether you should take it or not. Okay. So the short answer is we don't know. We don't know how safe it is in pregnancy because we have no data to prove its safety and scientists don't like to get ahead of the science. Okay. Pregnant women were excluded from both the Moderna and the Pfizer study. So they were not part of it. However, there happened to be a few women who became pregnant after enrollment. So they remained part of the study and we do have data from them. And that data looks pretty promising. Um, there weren't that many women. There were only 23 women who became pregnant in the Pfizer out of thousands and thousands um, and 13 women who became pregnant in the Moderna trial. So 23 in Pfizer, 13 in Moderna. Um, none of the vaccinated pregnant women in the trial had a miscarriage. Um, that is the big thing people talk about and it's going to cause a miscarriage. So there was two cases of spontaneous miscarriage, one in each trial. Um, both were in the placebo group. So neither one had received a vaccine. So that's some good news. The numbers are small, but that's some good news. Um, another thing to consider is that the concept of vaccination is not new. Um, people have been receiving a vaccine for ages. Pregnant women and breastfeeding women have been receiving vaccinations for, for years. So certain vaccines we know are safe in pregnancy, and then there are certain vaccines that are not. So flu vaccine is very safe in pregnancy. It's protective and highly encouraged. And then there are vaccines that are not safe, such as the MMR, which is the measles, rubella, and mumps vaccine, um, the chickenpox, or the shingles vaccine. The reason those vaccines are not safe is those are live viruses, weakened live virus, like we talked about earlier. Those are live viruses, which have slightly higher chances of, of side effects. Um, so those vaccines are not recommended. Now, this mRNA vaccine, as we have discussed, has no virus in it. It has no dead virus, no weakened virus, no virus particles or proteins in it. It just has the mRNA, just the message to create the spike protein. So based on what we know or what the scientists know on the way this vaccine works, there is no biological reason to believe that we know of that it would be detrimental in pregnancy, um, but we just don't have enough studies or data to, to prove that yet. Um, what we do know though, we do know for sure that COVID can be very harmful in pregnancy um, and it can cause severe illness requiring ICU admissions and even death, right? Pregnant women are also at increased risk of preterm delivery, which can be harmful to not only the pregnant woman, but the baby as well. Um, so the CDC says, um, they, they say that people who are pregnant may choose to get vaccinated. And that's not something the CDC usually does. If there's no studies, the CDC will say contraindicated. But in this particular case, they have made an exception and say, you may choose to get vaccinated. So you got to have it, you have to have a discussion with your OBGYN, sit down and have that conversation. Similarly, in breastfeeding women, we don't have data to prove its safety. Um, CDC thinks that the mRNA vaccines given to the mother is not thought to be harmful to the breastfeeding baby. Um, so the CDC says that uh, same, same thing, women who are breastfeeding may choose to get vaccinated. Um, now, ACOG, ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics, Detricians and gynecologists, that's a mouthful, um, recommends that um, the COVID-19 vaccines should not be withheld from pregnant women um, who meet criteria for vaccination. So when it's their turn, um, it's the woman who gets to decide whether she wants the vaccine or not. My advice would be, so what does all this mean? You know, all this ACOG and CDC, this and that, just tell me, should I take the vaccine or should I not take the vaccine? <laughs> right. right, simple answer, yes or no. I can't give you that, but what all this means 
is that you have to weigh your risks of getting COVID depending on your environment and what you do and weigh that against the benefits of the vaccination and any potential unknown risks of the vaccination and then you decide what is the right thing for you. All right, yeah, great. So basically it has to come from the woman herself that do I wanna take this vaccine or not depending on all the research and everything. And then also sit with their doctor and then decide what's, uh, what would be the most beneficial for them and their baby. So exactly. that's good advice. All exactly. right, okay, so um, how long do we, are we gonna to need to be wearing these masks? <laughs> are these cloth masks even effective uh, or are, they, are we just like, is this going to be a, a permanent accessory? Oh, <laughs> um, well, we spent some money on it, so might as well keep it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, how long will we need to vaccinate or how long will we need to mask ourselves? So that is a, a very good question and an important one. I, I don't know when it will go away. I, I, I do think that it will go away soon, but as of right now, um, we, we need to continue masking. So like we said earlier, vaccine is 95% effective in symptomatic COVID. So that means 5% not effective. And again, these are just the mRNA vaccines. The other vaccines are a little less effective. Um, but regardless, one in 20 chance at best. If you go with 95% effectiveness, one in 20 chance that um, you can get it, right? Um, so you, you can. Th that's one reason to continue masking. Another reason to continue masking is this: in these studies, studied was symptomatic COVID. So if it's still possible that you can get COVID and not have symptoms or have very mild symptoms and still spread it to somebody else. So what they haven't studied yet, or we don't have answer to yet is can you be asymptomatic and still spread it to others after being vaccinated? That is being studied right now. And hopefully we'll have answers to that pretty soon. Um, another concern and the reason we should still mask is you, you brought a variance, right? So if these mutations are happening, and like we discussed earlier, the vaccine is a little less effective and recognizes those facial features once they have changed a little bit. And so if you, if you're vaccinated, and you do get COVID, and it happens to be one of these variants, you're going to take that variant, if you're not masking, protecting yourself, and you're going to spread it amongst all your vaccinated and unvaccinated friends. And you're going to be the reason why this variant has now become dominant, right? Um, and you don't want to be the reason to do that. So because of all of these, all of these things are being studied at rapid speed. In addition, we're vaccinated at a, at a pretty high speed. Um, so I think just hang in there a little bit longer, but I do think that this is our gateway to normalcy. Um, if there is going to be a return to normalcy, this is our path to it. But I see the light, we're very close, just hanging there a little bit longer. Don't let down your guards just yet, get your vaccine, but still continue your precautions. Um, don't throw away your masks just yet, but pretty soon we'll all throw it away and have a big bonfire. Awesome. So I have a couple of questions, the last couple of questions about um, quarantine requirements, okay? So I know that there was the quarantine requirement is 14 days, but there was some uh, talk about uh, CDC lessening that time to about seven to 10 days. What is the quarantine requirement right now? And if a person who's already vaccinated, you know, somebody is exposed in their household, do they still have to quarantine even though they're, they're, they themselves are vaccinated? So two questions. Okay, so if someone is exposed to COVID-19 after they've been vaccinated, and for, I know you don't wanna hear this, but yes, um, you do have to still self-isolate. Um, for some of the reasons that we touched on earlier, um, that if you're exposed, 
you can still get the COVID and then you can take it to, and give it to your friends and families who are not vaccinated yet. Um, so until we know more, you still need to self-isolate. Those are the guidelines right now. Um, and, and again, I'm very hopeful that in the, in the future that will change. But as of right now, you still need to self-isolate just as if you weren't vaccinated, um, even if you have been vaccinated. Um, as we get to more people immunized and we have moved towards herd immunity, hopefully those will go away. Um, your other question was... How many days? Oh, the quarantine guidelines, the quarantine guidelines. So um, general general basic quarantine guidelines is 10 days. So 10, three conditions have to be met before quarantine can end. Um, 10 days since symptom onset. Number two, you must be fever-free for 24 hours without taking fever reducers. So acetaminophen and ibuprofen or whatever fever reducer. Um, and be completely asymptomatic. So once those, all three of those conditions are met, then quarantine can end. Um, CDC does give you a pass on loss of taste or smell. That can take a little bit longer to go away. So you, you still get a pass and that doesn't count as a symptom after 10 days. So 10 days since symptom onset, fever free, without using fear reducers for 24 hours and completely asymptomatic. That's when um, quarantine can end. Awesome. So what is your advice on where people can go to um, look for official information? What are some websites that you can um, point people to? Um, you know, there's thousands of new news outlets, as I said in the, in the intro of this episode. So cdc.gov is one. Yes. And then what else? Would you that's say? pretty much. That's pretty that's, much it. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's the only one that I. That's, that's the closest right mouth right there. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. If you're going to get information, you got to get it straight from, straight from there. Yes. All right. So Samara, any um, last thoughts? You know, this year has been so hard for everyone in, in so many ways. You know, we have many of us have lost friends, um, close friends, family members um, to COVID. We have lost jobs to COVID. Um, many healthcare professionals have lost their jobs as well, believe it or not. Um, many families have been destroyed. Mental illness is at its peak. Um, child abuse, domestic abuse. I mean, it's so hard to even talk about it. And, but, but now, I mean, I see the light. I, I see the light. I, I think we are turning the corner and we can get this behind us if we all continue to be responsible. So I would say, please don't let your guards down too soon. We want to meet with our families. We want to send our children back to our school. We want to hug each other and shake our hands again and forget about this elbow tap. Um, but do your part in getting us there, just do your part. Continue physical distancing, masking, and hand washing. Educate yourself on risks and benefit of vaccine and make the right decision that is right for you. Um, do your part in fighting against this COVID pandemic and help us end this and getting life back to normalcy. Um, I would just um, encourage you to think about this quote from Peter Marshall. He said, may we think of freedom not as a right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. That's, that's very, very good. So thank you so much for doing this again. And thank you for, for being out there, you know, for, for being out there. You have a family, you have kids, you have elderly parents at home as well. Um, you are going out there risking your life every day. So, I mean, we cannot thank you enough as a, as a healthcare worker, as a healthcare hero. We you really touted as that as a healthcare hero, and and we do um, appreciate everything that you and all the 
healthcare physician community that's that's doing to keep us protected and to keep us safe. And the least we can do is do our part, you know, with you know mask mandates or quarantine and and things like that. And and of course, if the vaccine is is right for you, um, educate yourself, like you said, and 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 go for it. Thank you so much for this kind word. Thank you, Samara. And that's a wrap on another episode of It's Too Much. Thank you all so much for listening. Listen and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. And be sure to like our Facebook page.